Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, everybody. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you here with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. And in just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Bishop Fernandez for a chat about vocations. Then in the second half of the cafe, Claire Dyson, the new president of the Columbus chapter of the Young Catholic Professionals, will pull up a chair. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Can we pray? Yes. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we are so grateful for another day, for all the ways that you are sustaining us and loving us and drawing us ever closer to you. Lord, we ask to to partner with you in this work, that whatever is in our hearts that needs to be purified, especially during this Lent, that we can wrestle with these things well so as to offer them as gifts to you so that we may draw closer to you. Lord, we ask to do these things in love, and we also ask for for Mary's help and intercession as we draw closer to you. We offer our our merits even to her as, as she presents them to you. Lord, thank you. And we offer all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And from Psalm 51, A pure heart create for me, O God. Put a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, nor deprive me of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. So you're trying a new beverage today. Let me make sure I have this right. (laughs) It's it's salty milk water. (laughs) Okay, okay. Background story. A little tired this morning, so I was like, okay, I'm going to grab myself a cup of coffee. It's Friday. I just wanted a black cup of coffee, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then I was like, oh, I heard this great trick. You put just a tiny bit of salt in it. It won't be so bitter. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try that. (laughs) I've tried it before. I liked it. But this morning, the salt totally jumped into my coffee. There's so much in there. (laughs) So I thought, oh, well, I didn't really want milk, but maybe it will mellow out all the salt. And nope. So here we are enjoying my Friday (laughs) cup of coffee in Lent. (laughs) Well, it's perhaps a time to begin a new beverage. Yes. You know, it's not as bad as maybe I'm making it sound, but I'm grateful for at least the extra caffeine. It sounded a little bad. (laughs) Ladies, final opportunity to register for this Saturday's Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. Happening tomorrow kicks off at 8 a.m., but the doors open much earlier than that. You can come in and pray, uh, enjoy all the speakers, the adoration, of course, Mass. There's a Padre Pio relic that's going to be at both conferences this year. So it's still enough time to register. Go to stgabrielradio.com. While you're there, you can sign up the guy in your life for the 27th annual Columbus Catholic Men's Conference happening next Saturday, February 24th, also at the Ohio Expo Center. And registration's there as well at stgabrielradio.com. And please stop by the St. Gabriel booth. Come say hi to us. Yeah, and we have a special surprise. We do. It won't be hard to miss. (laughs) No, it won't be. (laughs) (laughs) So we look forward to seeing you all this weekend and next. Now we welcome our Bishop, Bishop Earl K. Fernandez to the cafe. Good morning, Bishop. 
Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Good yeah. Thanks All for right, being great. with us. No, it's great to be here this morning. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Just staying busy. <laughs> well, we wanted to talk about vocations uh, with you this morning. At your ordination and installation mass, you said, uh, or you mentioned two priorities for the diocese, one being evangelization and the other being vocations. So where are we now and what's what's the need coming up? Well, well, absolutely. So when I was ordained a bishop, I kind of said, a tongue-in-cheek, well, this year in the Diocese of Columbus, there are more bishops being ordained than priests. Mm-hmm. And then people sort of chuckled, but then that's then the seriousness of what I said dawned yeah. on them. We need more priests. Uh, we've been going through the pastoral planning process, real presence, real future. Sadly, I'm having to go around the diocese and do last masses at churches, sign decrees of suppression and mergers and so on. Um, but I also leave people with hope. Maybe one day will come soon where uh, in which uh, we'll be opening new parishes and schools and things. And with a million people coming to the Columbus Diocese yeah. uh, over the next 10 years, we are looking, all those million who are coming need Jesus Christ, and they Amen. need the sacraments, and they need the life of prayer. And so we need boots on the ground. We need more priests. Uh, in order to bridge the gap, we've been relying a little bit on missionary priests, international priests, religious orders. We're really blessed by their service to the diocese of Columbus. Since my arrival, the Mercedarian fathers have arrived there. Uh, we got an additional Palatine father from Poland, so we have now four. We have uh, four or three Indian Palatine fathers who are working uh, in the diocese, two heralds of the good news. We have four sons of the Immaculate working here. So we're getting a lot of religious orders in addition to those who speak Spanish, like the Theatines. We have five Theatine priests and uh, three uh, missionary servants of the word. All these are helping us to uh, bridge the gap, but we need to cultivate and build a culture of vocations. St. John Paul II said a vocation is a gift whose purpose is to build up the church and to increase the kingdom of God in the world. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to believe that there are so few men willing to become priests in the Diocese of Columbus. And as I've gone around the diocese, I've spoken about vocations uh, I've held Andrew dinners where I have dinner with young men who are discerning. Father Bill Hahn, our vocation director, has uh, been working uh, with other young priests who serve as re- regional vocation promoters. Uh, we've been having the Quo Vadis retreats in the summer for high school uh, age men. We have the Come and See weekends at the Josephinum. And we've been doing all of these sorts of things to try to promote vocations. And now I have success to report. This past year, we had 16 new seminarians enter for the Diocese of Columbus. Father Holland tells me we have another eight or nine in application for next year. Praise God. So God be praised, exactly. So the year I became bishop, there were 17 men in the seminary for our diocese and zero ordinations. This year, we have 37 men studying for the priesthood for our diocese, and I have five priestly ordinations and three ordinations to the transitional diaconate. So that's a huge turnaround in short in a short amount of time. Outstanding news. And I just think that there are a lot of people praying uh, and fasting for vocations. I think we've heightened the awareness of the need. And the more priests we have, the more time the priests can spend with families building uh, close-knit bonds, the more time the priests can strengthen the vocations of uh, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, the permanent deacons, the more the priests can animate 
the vocation of the lay faithful. The more masses that are offered, the more the church will be built up, uh, and the stronger the faithful will be to live their own proper vocations. So we need uh, more priests in our parishes to be able to also spend time with their priests. A lot of our priests are managing multiple parishes, but they're basically saying mass, getting in their car, driving uh, and uh, to another parish, uh, and saying mass, and then driving back to another parish to say mass. So it, the amount of quality time uh, that priests actually get to spend with their people is being reduced because of the shortage. And so for years, we haven't quite built up the culture of vocations. And part of that is because our retired priests are so generous. Yes. They serve us very faithfully. Uh, they uh, continue to say masses and hear confessions. Uh, and it gives us the appearance of having strength. But, like, I'm good friends with Monsignor Frank Lane. He's 84 years old, going on 85, and he's administrating two parishes. Uh, and he's a great priest and a great preacher, and he's got a tremendous energy. But, you know, at a certain point, priests should be able to enjoy their retirement. Last year, because of Real Presence, Real Future, I accepted the resignations of 10 of our priests uh, who are all over age 70, all working in parishes. Uh, and now what that has done is it's made us make decisions about parish mergers, parish closures, but it's also given us a little bit of a bench. What do I mean by that? Well, we've had a number of priests who've had to take leave of absence because of health reasons or other reasons. And now we have priests who are seasoned priests, veterans, if you will, who have experience, who can jump in as administrators of parishes, or if a priest wants to take a sabbatical. Uh, we have a, a group of older priests, but who are wise and experienced, who can lead the flock until a priest can get go on a sabbatical, get recharged and renewed, and come back uh, for his ministry uh, with a new vigor. And so we've been able to do that. Having more vocations and a few more priests also allows us to send priests for further studies to be educated, not only to uh, help our own diocese, but also to help staff the seminaries. And so no one in the Diocese of Columbus has been sent for further studies uh, in any discipline other than canon law uh, since 2004, mm. except for this year, we sent one priest, and then uh, next year we'll send two priests. So uh, the diocese is being deprived by not having enough vocations. Similarly, we're, we're hard-pressed, and we're having to employ missionary priests uh, to cover our some of our large hospitals and hospital systems and nursing homes. The parish priest is already saying masses. He's got funerals. Uh, we have a number of uh, hospitals, nursing homes, an aging population. And so someone has to be by the bedside. And we employ a lot of lay chaplains and so on in our hospitals, but only the priest can bring uh, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick uh, or hear someone's uh, confession. So we have been unable to staff our hospitals properly. Similarly, uh, in the past, we can kind of remember where we had lots of priests and religious teaching in our schools, especially our high schools, being present to young people. And we haven't been able to do that for a while, but the presence of missionary priests and, God willing, ordinations of some younger priests will allow the possibility, again, for priests to have a presence in our high schools, teaching, working as chaplains, uh, and so to maintain the bond with young people. I had the privilege in my first assignment as a priest, not only to work in a parish, but to teach in a high school. And almost all those kids I taught are still practicing the faith. They got married in the church. I've had been privileged not only to have their weddings, but even to baptize their children. Mm -hmm. And so those are the types of opportunities for ministry 
that have been neglected or have been ha- had to been cut in order to uh, accommodate uh, for the uh, uh, pre-shortage. Uh, but I'm not so much interested in the shortage or presiding over a slow death uh, of the diocese. I want to grow the business, mm-hmm. and we can see that young people are getting on board. I mean, we have the presence of a lot of lay apostolates in our diocese that I also think uh, will help us with vocations. Uh, Camp Damascus, St. Paul's Outreach, the Fellowship of Catholic University students on the, pre- on the campus of The Ohio State University. Uh, we have the Urban Encounter Ministries and the, the Missionary Servants of the Word, both men and women. They're doing, you know, hardcore evangelization, and I think they're, implanting, they're planting the seeds of faith, which are allowing young people uh, to consider uh, a priestly or religious vocation. Likewise, the Father Stash Daly, he uh, is our vicar for religious, and he has helped recruit not only the, some of the men's religious orders that I mentioned, but also many uh, women religious orders, mostly belonging to the CMSWR, uh, that, uh, that have come to the diocese. So we have the Brigitine sisters, and we have the Ann Arbor Dominican sisters who have been here for a long time, uh, but we have the Franciscan sisters, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, as well as the same order, but uh, for the, the group from uh, Pondicherry. We have Polish Dominican sisters here. We have the Little Sisters of uh, the Immaculate who run uh, uh, children's daycare. We have the Daughters of Holy Mary of the Heart of Jesus uh, who do their Doimar retreats for young people. And so, and the Salesian Sisters who are working in our schools. So we have all these groups in addition to the, you know, the Dominican Sisters of Peace have been here for a long time and the uh, Carmelite Sisters of the Aged and Infirm who run Mother Angeline McCrory Manor. So we have different forms of women's religious life And as a result, young women are beginning to think again about possibly a vocation to the consecrated life. I think uh, just like we have the Andrew dinners for men, we had a Marian dinner for young women uh, back in November, and we had 70 young women turn up at this at St. Andrew's. And so 70 young women and all the women religious, they each give a little spiel about their religious order, their particular charism, and... Uh, then the, the young girls could go uh, and, and find out more and gain literature and talk to the sisters and eat with the sisters. And, and it gives people a, a picture of what uh, a religious vocation could be like. So I think we're really working uh, well. In addition to priesthood and religious life, you know, the real vocation that suffered is the vocation of marriage. Young people aren't getting married. They're cohabiting. Uh, Some people don't believe in the institution of marriage anymore. Marriages are still uh, breaking up. There's a high divorce rate and so on. So young people wonder whether they can make a lifelong commitment. But if we can have strong marriages, we'll have strong families, and it's in the family that every vocation uh, is nurtured and, and grows. And in that sense, we're really looking at revising how we're doing our marriage preparation program. We're going to take much more like the RCIA, OCIA model, a catechumenal model, an approach where we presume that due to the distortion in marriage and law today, uh, that young couples know next to nothing about the church's understanding of marriage and sacramental marriage. And during the period of engagement, we accompany them much like a catechumen, and then they... they um, you have a period of election, the immediate prop, uh, preparation for, for marriage, maybe when they approach uh, the priest or, or uh, get engaged. And then we have uh, the actual marriage ceremony, which might be a parallel to baptism. But then what happens afterward? Just like those who are baptized undergo mystagogy, we need to accompany 
young couples, young families uh, in their journey of faith and insert them into the life of a community. And so if we can do that and create, uh, again, networks of relationships to support young families, then we'll also begin to have a stronger uh, domestic church, which makes for stronger parishes, which can be the breeding ground then for uh, vocations to the priesthood and religious life. And then you have priests offering the sacraments, which again strengthen the church and the church's presence throughout our diocese. So all of that's going on here in the Diocese of Columbus. I'm very excited about it. Yes, Bishop Fernandez, we're excited too. And I I actually want to ask you that question in terms of the domestic church, because like you shared with us, we have so many beautiful options in our diocese with all the religious orders that we have here, the mission groups, all the efforts that um, we're building to create awareness of vocations. But how about for the families? What can they do to help promote Um, vocations or help encourage vocations in their own families? Well, I think St. Francis tells us, be who you are and be that well in honor of the master craftsman whose handiwork you are. So I think that one of the things every family can do to help foster a culture of vocations is pray. Mm. Pray together. Not only Sunday Mass, but pray every day in the home. My mother used to quote Father Peyton, the family that uh, prays together stays together. But many people do not know how to pray even. And so my parents, for example, had us pray the rosary every single night. Every night we knelt in our living room, we prayed the rosary, the litany of Loretto, the Angelus, uh, a perpetual novena to the little flower, and then one Our Father, one Hail Mary for about 10 different intentions. And we tried to rattle off our prayers, but my parents wanted us to understand the importance of prayer. St. Alphonsus of Glory says, He who prays will be saved, and he who prays not will certainly be condemned. Mm. And again, if God is lost, all is lost. In addition, my parents also took us uh, to the Shrine of Our Lady of Consolation in Cary, Ohio. We lived in Toledo, so it was about a 50-minute drive from where we lived. But every year we made a family pilgrimage uh, to the shrine. And there we were exposed not only to a beautiful church, but we saw the conventual Franciscan friars. We participated in Eucharistic adoration, a rosary procession with the Blessed Virgin Mary. And many of these things stimulated our Catholic imaginations. We also met other Catholics. And so I think that's another thing that can be done is to encourage uh, uh, family pilgrimages to religious sites. I think this year families could participate in the Eucharistic Congress to be uh, held in Indianapolis. Uh, those dioceses, there, there are now day passes which allow families to go and kids zero through 12 uh, will be free. So Indianapolis is only about three, three and a half hours from mm-hmm. Columbus. It's, it, you know, it's an easy drive. I think uh, encouraging young people to be involved in uh, high school youth groups to go to like the Steubenville conference or the summer during the summer sometimes Camp Damascus or the totus tuus missionaries come uh, to participate in those programs I think are important Mm -hmm. I think also for parents it's important for themselves to practice the faith so often when I was a parish priest I'd hear confessions and little kids would confess not going to Sunday mass and I said well uh, did you ask your parents and they say yeah but my my mom and dad wouldn't take me and it's very heartbreaking. So I think uh, to to really make it a priority uh, to make sure that young children go to Mass. And so it's not a question, are we going to Mass uh, this Sunday, but which Mass are we going to this Sunday? Uh, and to not just go through the motions as if we're fulfilling an obligation, but to understand that the, the Mass, the Eucharist, is the centerpiece of our life. I also remember my parents taking us as a family. We went to the confession. And my parents always went to one confessor, and we boys went to the other confessor, but we went. 
And it was an interesting thing as a child because sometimes you think your parents are perfect. But the fact that my parents also went also demonstrated to us the importance of always seeking uh, God's mercy. I was blessed with great parents who were very devout. Unfortunately, many families are broken today. You have mixed marriages, you have broken marriages, you have uh, blended families. And so it's sometimes difficult for young people and for children. It's also difficult because uh, to, to hand on the faith because of the ideology that has invaded uh, education, both Catholic education, but also the public school education. Uh, There's an ideology known as scientism, so that the only thing we can know is by way of the scientific method, and as such, faith seems make-believe. And so many people have already been imbued with that, including educators. And so young people think, this is all just made up. Faith doesn't impact their lives. And so it's important for parents to set the example, as well as for Mm -hmm. priests and religious to give credible witness to the reality of faith and to the difference that faith makes in a person's life. You're listening to St. Gabriel Cafe. We're with uh, Bishop Earl K. Fernandez. Bishop, you had mentioned uh, that you know that there are a lot of people praying for vocations. I wanted to mention the Sarah Clubs. Here in uh, Columbus, we have uh, Sarah Club North and then Sarah Club Downtown Columbus. And they're seeing a lot of growth in their organizations. Uh, I think uh, uh, they received an award, actually, as the fastest-growing um, chapter in in the country. So shout out to the Sarah Clubs for attracting um, new members and uh, lifting up uh, uh, our priests and seminarians in prayer. Yeah, the Sarah, the Sarah Clubs help uh, fund some of our retreats. They do nice dinners for, uh, for, for the priests and seminarians to get to know one another. They constantly are asking people to pray uh, for vocations. They recently had an essay writing contest for students as to uh, the importance of uh, vocations and, and priests in their lives. So these are some of the activities of the Sarah Club. Likewise, the Knights of Columbus had a clergy appreciation dinner mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks back. Again, to, to because so many people, they can complain about the priests, or complain about the church, and it's nice to have groups that actually support uh, vocations. Uh, and so that's a, those are some examples. Uh, the Labore Society for young men and women who have college debt who want to enter into priesthood or religious life, Labore Society assists them. So there are many ways in which we can try to uh, help uh, support our, uh, our, our seminarians and priests in formation, writing them letters and cards. That makes a difference. Uh, during Vocation Awareness Week, trying to have activities again that, that support vocations. When we can get young priests to, to visit their parish schools and things. These all help, or seminarians who have to do their apostolic works, working with the poor, teaching children catechism. These things highlight the role of uh, seminarians, our future priests, who need our support. I mean, our seminarians, our future priests, also need financial support. I mean, we, it's great that we have uh, 16 new seminarians, but for me, that added a million dollars to our budget. It really costs, you know, about $45,000 a year in tuition. Then you have the health insurance, then a a monthly stipend, then some other forms of education, and then retreats and formation fees and things. It it, it adds up. It's a good, in a a way, it's a good and growing need. Nevertheless, I struggle sometimes not only to pay for the seminarians in formation, but actually even to pay the pre-salaries in some of our parishes. With the decline in rural life, uh, it's hard with— without uh, the support of the faithful. And so uh, sometimes there are places that need a second priest. 
but the, the, but the pastor says, I can't afford a second priest. Um, and so we've come to a, a, a difficult situation where the faithful, you know, they want to keep their parishes open, but they're going to have to sacrifice a little more. And these young men are sacrificing and offer, offering their lives to be of service. And so uh, the more, again, the more priests we can have, the more the sacramental graces can flow, the more priests can be pastorally present uh, to, to parishioners, but also to go out and be missionaries and proclaim Jesus Christ to those who have never heard of him or who don't know his mercy and love yet. And so we have a lot of um, evangelization to do, particularly because of the religiously unaffiliated, the so-called nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Fifty percent of those who are baptized Catholic have no religious affiliation by age 30, and half of those by age 13. So we have a lot of work to do amongst our young Catholics, some of whom have lapsed, but, he has, uh, but especially upon those new people who are coming who have never been catechized or formed, uh, who have never heard of Jesus Christ, the new migrants who are coming. So we've got a lot of work to do, we, because the Pope keeps calling us to move from maintenance to mission, but we need to have a mis- truly missionary spirit. I think very often we have lived on the, on the faith of people in the past who made great sacrifices as immigrants to build their parish churches when Catholics were an oppressed minority, and then we kind of got comfortable with our Catholic churches, our schools, and we, we, we've lost a little bit of our missionary spirit. But I'm, I'm heartened by what I'm seeing, a new movement amongst the young here in the Diocese of Columbus who really want to practice their faith. And so, uh, so I, I'm hopeful for, uh, for the future of our diocese. Amen. Uh, Bishop, uh, we're speaking with Bishop Fernandez here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. You mentioned a good and growing need. How can our friends that are listening learn more about this program and, and, and help out? Well, you can go on our diocesan website, uh, columbuscatholic.org, to find out about it, or our YouTube channel. There's a, there's a short video about it. In almost every parish bulletin, uh, there are, um, there's a QR code that tells you about the good and growing need. In addition, there are posters all over the, all over the diocese in our parishes. Um, and so you can go, and then on the weekend of um, February 24th and 25th, so not this weekend, but the following weekend, uh, we will have um, seminarians in, uh, in the different parishes throughout the diocese. We don't have enough seminarians for all our parishes, but they'll be giving witness talks, talking to the faithful, and so we'll have a second collection in all our parishes uh, during that weekend. But many people, like, you know, they go to Florida or something uh, during um, the winter months, they can still give online or they could use the QR code. So it's easy uh, to, to give and to try to, to be supportive because, as I said, I have an extra million dollars this year alone. If I get these another eight or nine guys in for next year, that's another $500,000 So um, that we're going to have to raise. And each seminarian, if they finish their college already, they do a propedeutic year, two years of philosophy, and four years of theology. That's seven years. If they're coming into the seminary right after uh, high school, they do a propedeutic year, uh, and then four years of college, and then four years of theology. So that's nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it costs a lot uh, to raise uh, raise up a new priest and to form and shape a new priest. Uh, but then the difference that a priest makes, they say a priest touches a million lives during his priesthood, and it's true. When you think about how many children he baptizes, how many couples he marries, how many 
uh, people he gives first communion to or uh, Sunday uh, at Sunday Mass, how many people receive the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, how many of the sick uh, he anoints in the hospitals. I mean, it's, it's incredible uh, the, how priests can be present and really make a difference in a person's life to get them and their families back on track. Uh, and so it's, it's, uh, it's a sacrifice that the faithful make um, to help support the priests. Uh, and the, the, the young men in the formation, they make a sacrifice because they love the people of God and want to serve the Lord uh, and his church. And so um, in the old rite of marriage before the Second Vatican Council, uh, the priest's homily was always canned, and he would talk about God as the author of marriage and, uh, and children as the crown of marriage. And then he would talk about the, the great principle of sacrifice, and it would say, sacrifice is usually difficult and irksome. Only love can make it easy, and perfect love can make it a joy. We are willing to sacrifice in proportion to our love, and when our love is perfect, the sacrifice is complete. There is no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And certainly that's what Jesus did for us. That's what these young men in formation are doing. They're sacrificing for the people of God, and it's because what motivates them is love. And so, having first been loved by Jesus Christ, they now want to respond in love and respond to his love by serving the people of God. It would be a shame if a young man said, look, I want to serve, I want to give my life to the Lord, I want to give my life to your families, but I'm from a poor family. I want to serve, but I can't. Can you help me? Mm. It would be a shame if someone said, no. Uh, I think for us, and every vocation is is rooted in saying yes to God. Uh, and so we want to affirm these young men in their quest to serve. Uh, and we know that, you know, when just like college students have no money, seminarians have no money. Uh, and so we want to be able to support them in their faith journey uh, because it's good for not only for them, but for our whole church. Bishop Earl K. Fernandez here in the cafe. We've been talking about vocations. To put it in financial terms, it's a outstanding return on investment. So well, exactly, and and that's another thing. So I've encouraged encouraged people to be spiritual entrepreneurs mm-hmm. in our diocese, um, and we we have been with respect to vocations. We've employed new strategies, and we're we're seeing the fruits of our labor. Right, but now we need um, to continue that entrepreneurial spirit and being creative in how we raise uh, funds for um, for these men in formation. How we continue to provide for the needs, because again, we're getting these men in just to to staff the parishes we have now. But what about the million people who are coming and the new parishes we have to build? You know, we've done a feasibility study for a new high school in the diocese, and there's a possibility of a second high school. Our Hispanic population has grown by 20% in a year. We grew from 278,000 Catholics to 344,000 Catholics in a year. Wow. And we're saying, well, we we can still have the same staffing levels. Or with retirements, we're going to cut our staffing. From a business point of view, it doesn't make sense. So we need to, uh, you know, increase our revenue and in order to be able to support the hiring in quotes, of mm-hmm. new employees, mm-hmm. meaning our new priests and seminarians, so that they can go out and grow the business by selling our product, which is product, again, in quotes, <laughs> right. which is Jesus Christ and the life he offers, which is really eternal life. We have a good message. We have good news to share. We're positive people. We don't complain. 
people might complain about us. They might, you know, hate us. They might spread rumors about how Catholics are and have their all, all their stereotypes. But the Catholic Church is the best game in town in what we do for the poor and how we educate our children and how we shape and form people for a lifetime of service. And the priest, as a leader of a parish community, can help us do that. Bishop Earl K. Fernandez here in the cafe. Also, um, Bishop, in our final minutes together, last month we celebrated Catholic Schools Week, and we had the opportunity here in the cafe to speak with several of our principals and teachers. Very impressed uh, by their joy and by their commitment to the mission of our Catholic schools and just to celebrate the work that uh, Adam DeFault and all of uh, the Office of Schools have done. There's a lot to celebrate there as well. You know, there's a lot to celebrate in our Catholic schools. You know, we're up to 18,000 children now in our Catholic schools uh, during Catholic Schools Week. Um, I dedicated the new school building at St. Mary's Church in German Village, which is a very mixed community, Latinos, African-Americans, Anglos, and uh, a beautiful new school, beautiful building. They raised more than $21 million for the restoration of the church and the school, uh, and it's wonderful there in the heart of the city of Columbus. But I was down in Portsmouth at Holy Redeemer Church in Portsmouth and uh, two hours from Columbus, and that whole church was filled with uh, the children from uh, Notre Dame uh, High School as well as the elementary school down there. Uh, And so I was in Portsmouth. Uh, One day I was up in uh, Newark, uh, as they tell me how to pronounce it, uh, for a a joint mass at St. Francis uh, (laughs) de Sales uh, High School. uh, and, they, and then the kids, uh, or the St. Francis de Sales Church, and the kids from the high school mm-hmm. and the elementary schools, uh, both Blessed Sacrament and St. Francis de Sales, uh, were all there uh, for Mass. Uh, and so, I, and then one day I was down in Lancaster. Uh, and uh, at, the, at the high school, they had an all-school Mass. Again, the, the, the elementary schools from uh, St. Bernadette and St. Mary's Basilica and the, the St. John's and Logan, as well as the high school students there uh, at Fisher Catholic, they were all gathered. So I went all over the diocese, and I see the, the commitment of the teachers and the commitment of the principals. And Dr. Dufault, and he has three superintendents, Seth Burkholter, who helps with the finances and marketing and the numbers, uh, uh, Holly Peterson and Sister John Paul Mayer, they are all working together now so we have the right team assembled, and they've strongly emphasized Catholic identity in our Catholic schools, especially our Catholic high schools, uh, where we've been doing a kind of a Catholic identity audit. We've been having uh, groups of teachers and principals, school administrators, and priests visit the, the schools to see how they're doing on their Catholic identity goals. We've been trying to put Catholic chaplains, priests and religious, uh, back in the high schools, working on all of that. And I think even at the beginning of the year, uh, uh, Father Dave uh, uh, Pivonka came, and we had at the new uh, at the new convocation center at St. Charles High School here in Columbus, we had all the Catholic school teachers and administrators gather uh, for talks, for Eucharistic adoration, for the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. So they begin to understand that Catholic education is not private education with religion class. Right. You know, the the Catholic identity of the school must imbue every single class. We have to teach the faith across the curriculum. And again, we see our teachers as spiritual leaders in the community, and the Catholic principals in particular, I think, understand this, that they have to lead and guide. So the kind of the the old trying to be like public schools and trying to or trying to just be good academically simply isn't a model of Catholic education that we in the Diocese of Columbus are interested in. 
We're interested in integrated formation, formation of the whole person, uh, and handing on the faith from one generation to another. And so I'm very pleased with what's happening in our Catholic um, uh, elementary schools and high schools, and we're only going to continue to build this, this culture of Catholic identity and formation. And so, and which in the long run, will also help us with vocations. Young people may not drift so easily away when they see the reality of faith in their high school and, uh, and elementary school communities being lived in, day in, day out. Maybe they'll say, this is the reality. This is my whole way of life and being and seeing the world. And so it will make a difference. So that's why we're so committed. I, I think our Catholic uh, Schools are the best way of transmitting the faith to our young people uh, after the family itself. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Amanda's been traveling around the diocese, also visiting our elementary schools, recording fourth and fifth graders uh, praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And at has been exceptional. Talk about beautiful. Um, hearing these voices every day on St. Gabriel at 3 p.m., uh, praying the chaplet. It's, it's just know, amazing. I was just up in uh, Tuscarawas County yesterday. I was in New Philadelphia, and then I stopped to see it in uh, Denison, where we have Immaculate Conception Church. So you're talking, again, two, two and a half hours from the city of Columbus. And there in Tuscarawas County, which isn't that far from Canton, Ohio, uh, are these um, uh, Franciscan Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary from Pondicherry. They just arrived here maybe last November. Uh, so they're very far from home, four sisters. Uh, they're they're getting certified to teach in the United States. They're trying to get their driver's licenses, but they're going into the schools every day, and they're praying uh, the Divine Mercy Chaplet with the children, praying the rosary with the children. Uh, they are um, uh, doing uh, the devotional with the children, uh, and the children ask them questions. They go into the religion classrooms and talk to them, uh, and the sisters, of course, have Indian accents, and so the, they, the, the children want to know about Indian new cultures, but then they also, you know, the sisters, while they're not certified to teach yet, they help children who are struggling uh, with reading, and the children read, and the sisters read, and they help each other even with their English and their accents. Uh, they, um, <laughs> the children, or the sisters are all from India, and not to stereotype, but they're geniuses at math and IT stuff. <laughs> and so they're helping tutor children in, in math or in computers, and they're just happy and joy-filled. And the children see that. And, and the sisters yesterday, you know, they were saying to me, well, the children, uh, they, they, they think that we are close to God. And so they want to be close to us uh, because they think we are close to God. And I said, sister, you should remember that about your own vocation, right? People view you as being close to God, and you mediate the closeness of God to them. And so I know you're very far, but I'm very grateful from home, but I'm very grateful that you're here, you know, and, and yeah, there, there are diff- cultural differences and uh, accent differences, but a smile goes a long way, and faith goes a long way to helping people to know that God is close and that his love is real. And the sisters are just, you know, they're happy and they're smiling, and they, they've experienced such great hospitality and welcome uh, from the people up in Tuscarawas County. It's really beautiful to see. Wonderful. Well, Bishop Fernandez, thanks for being with us uh, in the cafe this morning. How can we pray for you this Lent? Well, I think, you know, we pray for 
priests. We pray for our seminarians. We pray for permanent deacons. Uh, we pray for vocations to religious life. You know, pray for our, uh, the bishops. You know, I, I'm I'm lucky. I have three living predecessors: Bishop Brennan in Brooklyn, whom I will see this weekend. Oh, nice. uh, uh, Bishop Campbell's 80, and Bishop Griffin will have his 90th birthday this year. Mm. You know, it's not easy being uh, being a bishop, having to make uh, decisions about uh, priests, personnel, uh, parish mergers and closures. You know, simply pray for me that God would give me the, the grace um, to uh, lead the holy people of God here in the Diocese of Columbus uh, and to do what our mission uh, demands. You know, this uh, Satan never sleeps. It says in the scriptures, uh, the devil is prowling like a roaring lion, waiting to devour you. Resist him, solid in your faith. You know, so pray for me that I might have faith. I pray for our uh, priests, deacons, uh, and religious in a special way. And pray for our young people. Right, you can help me if we get more priests and religious uh, in the diocese. Pray for our young people uh, that they would be given uh, a spirit of generosity and service. Amen. We'll be assured of our prayers, Bishop Fernandez. Thanks for being with us. Could you uh, leave us and our friends with your blessing? Sure. Uh, Almighty and eternal God, we give you praise and thanks for your Son Jesus Christ, our eternal High Priest. Pour out a spirit your spirit of generosity and service upon the people of God in the Diocese of Columbus, that they may know your will and have the courage to respond with a generous yes. We ask this in all things through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Veni Sancte Spiritus, veni per Mariam. God bless you. God bless you. Thank Thank you, you, Bishop. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Claire Dyson, the new chapter president here in Columbus of Young Catholic Professionals. So stay with us. We'll be back in a few minutes with Claire. Oh, good Jesus, you are the most high God, everlasting and always living. You have shown us the way to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. We implore thy most sacred heart to have mercy on us in this time of need. Bless and protect the vulnerable. Give hope to all and fill our hearts with confidence in your divine mercy. Be our joy in the midst of suffering and our stability in the midst of uncertainty. Your forgiveness we seek, your love we need, your protection we implore. Forgive our sins and heal our wounds. Strengthen any weakness of faith and make us strong so as to give witness to your glory. Keep far from us any illness, pestilence, or harm. You are our refuge. You are our comfort. You are our hope. Through the intercession of Our Lady, health of the sick, we come to your most sacred heart and beseech your protection and blessing. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of faith is seen in St. Joseph, the husband of Mary. Joseph saw God's plan for his life through the eyes of faith. He believed in the word of God spoken to him by the angel. He acted on this faith and did what he was commanded to do. By believing what God had revealed, Joseph was led to share a life with Mary gazing on the face of Jesus. Let us ask St. Joseph to pray for us, that we may grow in faith. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more 
at educationinvirtue.com. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborne, and also wanted to mention another wonderful tradition that we have going now in the Diocese of Columbus is 40 Days of Adoration. So this continues throughout the Lenten season. Today, our host parish is St. Matthew the Apostle in Gahanna, and adoration is available today, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., the complete list of parishes is available online at columbuscatholic.org. Claire Dyson, welcome to the cafe. Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for being here. New president of the Columbus chapter of Young Catholic Professionals. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, are you from Central Ohio? No, I think like many of our young adults, I am a Columbus transplant. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Northeast Ohio, and I moved here five and a half years ago for my job that I'm still at, at Center for Christian Virtue. Did you grow up in a predominantly Catholic family? I did. Both my parents, to some extent, are converts. My mom was raised Methodist and always knew that she wanted to be a Christian, but there is a time period in her life where she wasn't really practicing much of anything. She was doing a lot of research into what tradition she wanted to follow. My dad was um baptized Catholic and had First Communion, but then there was no faith in his family after that. So he actually became very strongly atheist and anti-religion, anti-Christian, because in his mind, it just meant pain and heartbreak. And so it was a a huge transition in my family when my mom and dad got married. And about three weeks into their marriage, mom started RCIA. And dad was going, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) You waited until now? And honestly, yeah. I, I always say that if I ever have doubts about God's goodness and yeah. his reality, I just look at my parents and my family and how the Lord moved in my family. Because by, by worldly standards, my family should not exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. there's divorce right? and hard things and um, different faiths. And then the Lord brought my parents together. And about seven years into the marriage, um, my oldest sister, who was about six years old at the time, they came home from mass one day and she asked dad, daddy, why don't you go to church with us? Mm-hmm. He didn't have an answer. So he started going to church. And then fast forward, what, maybe eight, nine years, um, my older sister and my dad both got confirmed together. And then fast forward, probably another 10, 12 years after that, uh, there's a an apostolate in Ohio called the Apostolate for Family Consecration that yes. runs a family summer camp that my family started going to about nine years ago, and that marked a huge spiritual transformation in my family because it equips my dad to be the spiritual leader in our family. Growing up, mom was a spiritual leader. Um, And then by the grace of God, I just always had the gift of faith. Even though religion for much of my childhood was a a source of conflict and tension and even confusion at times as my, my dad was exploring who God was and is to him and the family, and my mom was a little bit further along because of her background. Um, the Lord was just very merciful, and oh. He fostered a very deep love and reverence uh, from earliest memories that I have. And then I would say it was about maybe six or seven years ago, like many young adults, when I was beginning college, I had my own spiritual deeper reversion. I, I never fell away. I always had that gift of faith, but it was when I was my first, second year of college that I realized 
I don't actually trust God with my life. Mm. I don't trust that he's really good and that I don't know that I can listen to him. But a good day at the time was a day that I didn't hate because I was following my own will and wants and ways and desperately trying to be my own God. Although I would never have said that. I couldn't see it. But I I reached my proverbial rock bottom and I said, okay, things have got to change. Lord, teach me how to trust you. Teach me how to listen to you. And so I I took it very much um, to bare bones of how do I listen to God's voice? And mm-hmm. I, my faith has always been very practical, pragmatic. I'm in a charismatic community now, but I never considered myself charismatic in the traditional sense mm-hmm. with uh, words of prophecy or knowledge or anything like that. So I, I literally, I took a piece of paper and I wrote down everything about myself in terms of career and my gifts and talents. I was like, Lord, what do you, what would you have me do? And I was like, well, he gave me, my skills, my talents, my likes, my dislikes. And so I'm going to start here. And then he started teaching me how to listen to him based on the way he made me. And that journey has continued to this day of listening to the Lord's voice and letting him lead, guide, and direct me. And that's how I'm the president today at YCP. (laughs) Yeah, well, tell us about that because uh, we're speaking with Claire Dyson, the new president of the Columbus chapter of Young Catholic Professionals. Um... There's so much, as we were speaking to Bishop Fernandez, about so much happening in the Columbus Diocese and a real blessing to our community and especially to the young Catholic demographic has been YCP. So tell us a little bit about YCP and some of the some of the things that you hope to do as the new president. Yeah, so YCP Columbus is actually a chapter of a national organization, Young Catholic Professionals. Uh, there's about 39 chapters across the U.S. now with the goal to have chapters in every single state. Uh, and primarily, YCP is is on mission to create modern-day saints. And we do that by uh, gathering young professionals together at least once a month to hear from Catholic professionals who are more seasoned in their career or their vocation, whether if it's a priest or religious, and they just give our, our young Catholics practical tips on how to hear the Lord's voice and how to live out our mission to work and witness for Christ. Mm. I, I love how you make time for fellowship and uh, social time that's still... Um, everything that I've seen of YCP is, is very much root, rooted in Christ and the church. And that also carries over to the social time and, and the fellowship that uh, that you cultivate. Very much so, because honestly, people today are hungry. In our generation, more than ever before, they're, they're hungry for more. They're hungry for community. Although we are more connected digitally than ever before, we are more isolated in reality than ever before. And so the other half of what YCP does is to give our young adults, to give anyone really in their 20s and 30s, a community. Uh, uh, Bishop touched on this earlier, but there there is a huge wave of revival happening in Columbus, in part because of our leadership, but also in part just the movement of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. touching the hearts of our, our young Catholics here in Columbus. And that's half of our community. We're having these on fire young adults coming into our young Catholic professional community at our events. And we have networking where people can just meet each other 
and hungry souls can meet souls who are maybe a little further along and they can meet in the middle. And it's the most beautiful thing to see someone come for the first time and you ask, why are you here? Mm -hmm. And they'll say, because so-and-so invited me and that so-and-so is here tonight. Mm -hmm. And then to see them come again, or there's other stories uh, from our leadership team members or longtime members who can talk about people that maybe weren't practicing any faith or fell away from the faith, which is a key demographic of young Catholic professionals that anyone, no matter your stage in faith is welcome to come. You don't even have to be a practicing Catholic. Just be aware that we will pray in the name of the father and of the son (laughs) and of the Holy spirit. Um, But their faith grows as they find this community and they, and they feel known, seen and loved. And through that, through that body of Christ, they get to meet Christ in his person. Mm -hmm. We're talking to Claire Dyson about YCP. Claire, what was it about YCP, maybe your first time going, that made you think, oh, this is a place I can sew into or I want to come back to? Mm -hmm. I think really it's because YCP first um, invested in me when I was in those early years of college, when I was really searching for the Lord and his calling on my life, I was also desperately lonely. And I, I was in Cleveland at the time going to community college, so there weren't really any active faith groups, but there was YCP Cleveland. So that was actually my my first opportunity for me to um, meet other like-minded young adults who were also pursuing the Lord. So they really became my community for that year, year and a half. And I, I w- would uh, go, go to those events. I made friends. And then I was going to game nights and going out to dinner and mm-hmm. exploring churches with my new friends and... My heart was just deeply touched by that. And Mm. when I moved to Columbus a year or two after that, YCP Columbus started just two months after I moved. And I knew to look for it. How providential. Amen. Truly. (laughs) Yeah. And I knew to look for it because I had it in Cleveland. And so I got to actually attend the very first event that YCP Columbus hosted five and a half years ago. Wow. So you've been a member of the Columbus chapter for that long then. Yeah. And now you're stepping into this presidential role with YCP. Yes. What is that like doing that transition there? (laughs) It was a little bit mind boggling, to be honest, to, I mean, I'm very, very grateful for it. And it's a a passion of my heart, but it's, it is a little bit different to go from attendee to then being the director of marketing, which I did last year. And then I'll be honest with you, I was planning on rolling off the team and then God had other plans. God huh? had other plans. <laughs> and when I was asked to consider it, I had what I call spiritual Tetris, where all of a sudden several things felt like they physically fell into place in the deepest part of my soul. And I just knew, whoa, God wants me to do this. And where I thought I was leaving, all of a sudden I know that God wants me to stay and invest in this people and use the gifts and passions that he has given me to draw more hearts to him. Hmm. Mm. That's so beautiful to be attentive to that. Um, I think sometimes we get a little confused. Lord, what are you calling me to? But it sounds like you're just kind of trying to be attentive every step of the way. Very much so. I mean, that that journey began seven years ago now. Like, Lord, what do you want? What do you have for me? And it's not always uh, easy to hear. Sometimes I don't want to hear him, but he has proven over and over and over again that he is trustworthy and he is good and he has my heart and the best intent for my life. Mm-hmm. So Claire Dyson, tell us what's coming up and how our friends can connect with YCP. 
Of course, we have a, a couple of events coming up. Actually, we have one next week on February 21st at St. Brendan the Navigator in Hilliard. Mm-hmm. Ben Hardings is coming to be our speaker, and he is a partner at Trinity Financial Advisors. And then Saturday, March 2nd, we are having our Lenten retreat at Christ the King, and the theme is A Desire for Deeper. You can follow us along on social media. We are YCP Columbus on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also find us on the web at ycpcolumbus.org. And Claire, you'll also be at the Women's Conference, right? That's true. Come over and say hello on Saturday tomorrow. I will be at the YCP Columbus table. Excellent. We'll look for you, friends. Look for YCP. And if there is a young adult, if you're a young adult, where there's a young adult in your life, send them that way. All right. Claire, thanks for being with us here in the cafe. Thanks for having me. It's such a joy. Have a great weekend. Friends, coming up on Monday, we're going to be joined by Father Adam Streitenberger. And then this is going to be a pretty wild conversation, I think. We're talking about the temperaments. Okay, Dave, I'm so excited for that conversation. I think it's so interesting. Yeah, I've never done it. Did you take your test? Um, I'm going to take it again. Okay. You know, to be honest, I am too. (laughs) Didn't like the results the first time? Did you not like your results? I went through it a little too quickly. That's going to be uh, my reason for retaking it. Okay. My results confused me, so I'm going to take it very intentionally, very slowly, and uh, yeah. And then we're going to talk about our our results with uh, Maggie Wright and David Locke. This, this should be interesting. <laughs> and uh, we pray that Cam will be back with us on Monday. Please keep the clutters in your prayers. They're working their way through this bug. So, um, yeah, wonderful things. And look for us tomorrow at the Women's Conference. Um, you'll find us pretty easily. <laughs> and You're talking about our surprise. Our surprise. And, of course, we'll be broadcasting the entire day, our coverage begins at 7.15 tomorrow morning. We'll con- uh, continue all the way through the closing mass. So ladies, take this opportunity to go to stgabrielradio.com, register. Um, also think of uh, that friend uh, that you can bring along uh, with you because uh, it really is a wonderful day of inspiring talks, the sacraments, and just being together with, uh, with other ladies Men, you're slow. Now's the time. You know, time is running out to register for the 27th annual Columbus Catholic Men's Conference happening on the 24th. Let's not wait until the last minute. So it helps if you uh, register now so we can figure out how much food to order. (laughs) So, stgabrielradio.com. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great weekend and look for us tomorrow at the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. Love you. We'll see you on Monday.